0: the linkedin podcast network is sponsored by medtronic medtronic is dedicated to the pursuit of life transforming health tech from ai to robotics and beyond we're reinventing what's possible and we're just getting started visit medtronic.com to learn more
1: i'm rufus griscom and this is the next big idea Today, we've reached the top 10 in our countdown of the most popular book bites of the year, the very best books of 2021. At number 10, Mine, How the Hidden Rules of Ownership Control Our Lives, by James Salzman and Michael Heller. What if ownership isn't a fact, but a story? That's the tantalizing premise of Mine. Its law professor authors bring their combined wisdom on the subject of property to show that the way we handle our personal tug of wars over parking spaces, property lines, and reclining airline seats says a lot about how we can handle big social problems like wealth inequality and climate change. Here's Michael.
0: Hi, my name is Michael Heller. I'm a professor at Columbia Law School where I teach and write about ownership, about who gets what and why. James Salzman and I wrote, Mine. How the Hidden Rules of Ownership Control Our Lives. Mine is one of the first words kids speak in every culture. As an adult, you know what it means to buy a cup of coffee or a home. Mine couldn't be simpler, and it couldn't be more important. But much of what you know about ownership is wrong. Here are five insights from mine. Insight one. American Airlines sells the same space twice on every flight. Think about the last time you flew on an airplane. Did you lean back? Did someone lean their seat into your knees and laptop? Last year, Wendy Williams reclined on an American Airlines flight to New Orleans. The guy behind got mad. He started tapping his hand on the back of Wendy's seat like an irritating metronome. Wendy's video of their fight went viral. Ownership of that reclining wedge may seem obvious, but it is not. When we poll audiences on who is in the right, half say Wendy half say the guy behind. Each group is confident in its view. Each looks shocked at the other. Wendy claims the wedge of space because it's physically attached to her armrest. She's relying on attachment, one of just six simple stories everyone uses to claim everything in the world. The recline button controls the wedge. The guy behind says no. He possesses that space with his knees And possession is nine-tenths of the law. That's another of the six basic stories. When Wendy reclines, she's trespassing into his space. This mind-versus-mind conflict is actually a storytelling battle. It's attachment versus possession. But there's more going on. Instead of fighting with each other, passengers should be angry at American Airlines. It's selling the same space twice on every seat on every flight. Once for you to recline, and again for the laptop user behind. American is using an advanced tool of ownership design, what we call deliberate ambiguity. Airlines know that when ownership is ambiguous, and it's ambiguous a lot more often than you realize, when it's ambiguous, people mostly rely on good manners. Airlines profit while we try to be polite. That's the real story behind seat recline battles. This may seem a trivial example, but there is a larger point. The exact same storytelling battle is playing out on the internet. One of the central questions for our time is who owns our clickstream? That's the trillion dollar record of our online looks and likes. Facebook says our clickstream attaches to their app, like the button on the airplane seat. But we can push back. We can tell the possession story, Facebook and Amazon are trespassing. They're leaning their apps into our virtual laps. Right now, it's ambiguous. Who owns our most intimate online data? We are in the middle of a storytelling battle for control of our click streams. And this matters because ownership is always up for grabs, and we can put our ownership story against the tech giants. Insight 2. HBO wants you to share your password illegally. Ownership seems straightforward in the business world. Get a patent when you create something new. Charge for its use. Be clear about who owns what. But much of this wisdom is wrong. When we poll audiences, most people readily admit using friends' HBO passwords. This is illegal, but no one seems to care. What's surprising is that HBO doesn't care either. They tolerate this theft. Tolerated theft? is an advanced strategy of ownership design, just like deliberate ambiguity. HBO could easily find you, but it chooses not to. Why not? Well, tolerating theft, in the words of HBO's former chairman, helps create video addicts. Illegal password sharing builds buzz today and future customers tomorrow. Disney also uses tolerated theft as a strategy, but for a totally different reason. For decades, the company aggressively defended its copyrights and trademarks. When nursery schools painted unauthorized Mickeys on their walls, Disney came after them. But now, Disney looks away. It tolerates theft by superfan websites that sell pirate Disney products. When Bibbidi-Bobbidi-Brook came out with her popular line of rose gold sequin Mickey ears, Disney could have shut down her website, but it didn't. Instead, Disney copied Bibbidi's hit design. The official version sold out immediately. Today, Disney tolerates theft as a low cost way to crowdsource product development. Cutting edge businesses like Disney and HBO gain a competitive edge by finding new ways to engineer ownership, just like they engineer every other feature of their goods and services. Ownership engineering isn't taught in business schools. You won't learn it from company lawyers. But those who know how ownership really works. They're quietly profiting. In our work with business leaders, we find that the hardest step is getting them to shake off the bias, an unjustified faith, really, that legal ownership matters. Surprisingly often, it doesn't. We solve 99.99% of ownership conflicts outside the law. Law is overrated, and tolerated theft is a surprisingly powerful business strategy. Insight three, Amazon's buy now button doesn't mean what you think it means. Recall the last time you were in a grocery store. Imagine if someone had reached into your shopping cart and took out the milk, then reached in again and took the eggs. You'd be shocked. Why? You don't own the stuff in your cart, but your possession does create a powerful claim. Possession works like a secret language. You learn it as a kid and you rely on it every day of your adult life. When you use a blanket to save a spot on the beach or throw a coat over a seat at the movie theater, you're speaking the primitive language of possession. When you physically possess something, it feels like it's yours. But possession is not a fact. It's an ownership story, and it is always up for grabs. Businesses and governments, they know this, and they define what counts as possession for their benefit, not yours. Say you click buy now to download a book onto your Amazon Kindle or iPhone. What do you own? A lot less than you think. Studies have shown that we consumers believe that owning a virtual book is just like having a hard copy. The virtual shopping cart and the buy now button are carefully designed to trigger our possession instincts. Amazon can't come into your home and take away your paperback, but online possession is not the same online retailers can and have deleted books right off customers' devices. And it's not just Amazon. Apple has done the same with downloaded movies. More and more today, we are paying to license digital code, a stream of ones and zeros, not for control of any actual physical thing. And this means there is an increasing gap between what you feel like you own and what you actually own. Because of this gap, You pay Amazon an unearned premium, an extra profit, on every download. In the digital age, possession is closer to one-tenth of the law, not nine-tenths. Online businesses already know this, and so should you. Insight four. South Dakota is making you poorer. What makes America so unequal? We can all point to causes like race discrimination and educational opportunities. But what keeps rich people so rich? The answer lies in the hidden rules of ownership. Already today, 60% of wealth in America is inherited, not earned. And in the next two decades, we will see the largest wealth transfer in human history, from well-off parents to their kids. More than $30 trillion. That's trillion, with a T. Market forces do not create this outcome. It's not chance. America's super-rich have built a parallel ownership system almost no one knows about. In just a few unlikely states, the super-rich can now pass on massive amounts of wealth tax-free. This matters. It locks in inequality for generations. The first step to reining in this parallel system is to recognize that it exists. And the place to start is South Dakota. The state has become the world's leading money haven. If you're super rich, you already know this. South Dakota is crushing Switzerland and the Cayman Islands. The state advertises itself to wealthy New Yorkers and Californians as the perfect place to stiff your family, business partners, and the government. South Dakota can do this because in America, states mostly define ownership, not the federal government, not the Constitution. No one in South Dakota benefits from the flood of money. Not one school there gets funded. Not one road gets paved. The only ones who profit are the handful of family wealth advisors who wrote the rules so they can get paid to run them. America's super wealthy have pulled off a brilliant heist. No one in South Dakota complains because the harm falls on you. You pay more in taxes. You get less in services. This concentrated wealth is terrible for America's economy. It stifles entrepreneurship, innovation, and job creation. A single rogue state is making all of us poorer while it creates an aristocracy of inherited wealth. It doesn't have to be this way. We can fix this. Simple changes to federal law can override the South Dakota heist. The first step is to realize that ownership is not Natural and uncontested. It's always up for grabs. And if you're not the one choosing, if you're not the one advocating for change, then someone else is choosing for you. Insight five New York City tap water is the best. It really is. New York City is some of the world's best drinking water. It routinely wins blind taste tests against even the priciest bottled water. How is this possible? For a century, city water arrived in huge pipes straight from the Catskill Mountains, 100 miles north. But upstate farmers didn't benefit from the clean water after it left their land. So they started developing, filling wetlands, cutting trees. By the 1980s, city water quality was in decline. So New York started planning for a $4 billion treatment plant. But then a city employee, a guy named Al Appleton, had a genius idea. He reached for an advanced tool of ownership engineering, what we call as-if ownership. Today, because of AL, the city pays upstate farmers as if they own the clean water that their farms provide. Cash payments gave upstate landowners a reason to keep trees and wetlands intact. New York City saved billions by investing in green instead of gray infrastructure, in trees instead of concrete. Today, because of AL, the city still has the nation's best drinking water. Ownership engineering really works, and not just for water. Remember the reality TV show Deadliest Catch? Fishing boats raced out in terrible weather to catch crabs in the Bering Sea off Alaska. Ownership was first come, first served. That's another of the six simple stories of ownership. Crews fished as fast as possible until the fleet reached the season's quota. This was Mad Max on the high seas. Boats sank. Crew died. For a time, it was more dangerous to work on those crab boats than to be on foot patrol in Iraq. Then Alaska turned to as-if ownership. Boats were given rights to the crabs before the season even started. This meant crews could wait for calmer seas or higher prices. This made for less exciting television, but profits went up and deaths stopped. Today, The world's most sustainable fisheries all use this innovative form of ownership design. More and more countries are also using as-if ownership to slow deforestation. Paying for the service of trapping carbon makes trees worth more standing than cut down. Now, jungle dwellers in many countries can profit by fighting climate change. It may sound crazy, but the key to saving the planet may lie in making even more things mine not just clean water flowing off Catskill farms, fish swimming in the oceans, and trees growing in the Amazon. We all know rocket engineering puts people on the moon, but ownership engineering is even more important. These are the rules that shape our lives every day, every minute. It's where you call home, what you eat and drink, who you watch and listen to. And once you see how ownership really works in the 21st century, you can be a more effective advocate for change as a consumer, and as a citizen.
1: That was Michael Heller, co-author of Mine, with five big ideas from the book. I spoke with Michael and James for this podcast a few months back. You can find our conversation by scrolling back through the feed or by following the link in our episode notes. If you're loving these daily book bites, and I hope you are, you can always find more of them in the Next Big Idea app. There is no better way to get smart fast. With Book Bites, you can read a book and the time it takes to comb social media to figure out who your ex is dating. On our next episode, how neurohacking can help you think faster and get more done. I'm Rufus Griscom. See you tomorrow.